I recommend that you go on a plant-based vegan diet. It's either that or eventually you're going to have to go on medications to control these, these diseases. You know, I have three grandparents who have either died from stroke or heart attack. And I, mm. I really took that seriously. And I did my own research and I found that there were many articles that actually do support not only can patients prevent some of these chronic diseases that I had, but also reverse them. Are you ready to upgrade your health to a new level and do so by learning from experts in the field of lifestyle medicine and plant-based nutrition? Well, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Plant-Based DFW Podcast Weekly Show. We are your hosts, Dr. Rizwan Bukhari and Maya Acosta. Every week, we will feature guests who are either physicians, dietitians, health coaches, or chefs who will tell us about their journeys towards becoming plant-based and how they have helped others. And as you dive into the episodes, never forget, the more you implement these healthy lifestyle changes, the more you will upgrade your health. Today, you'll meet Dr. Ann. She's a dentist at the Reading Rancheria Health System in Northern California. Um, she shares with us her personal story of health problems and how she was able to reverse the majority of them by going plant-based. In this episode, we talk about the connection between what we eat and our oral health. We touch on topics such as acid erosion, root canals, using fluoride, oil pulling, and other fats that people use for oral health. We also talk about cosmetic work and its purpose for reconstruction, rebuilding, for function, for speech, and for breathing. So there's a lot of content here. And you'll learn about Dr. Ann's product that she developed this year. It's called Happy Hippo Plant Organics, which consists of biodegradable lip balms, toothbrushes, dental floss, and soaps. And she has offered a discount for our listeners. So follow the link in the show notes. And if you go to her Etsy shop or her website, happyhippoplantorganics.com, type in hippo plant base 15. That is a discount that you'll get uh, for having listened to this podcast. Let her know that you listen to her on the plant based DFW podcast. And the discount code is good through April 1st of 2021. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We have Dr. Ann Cartini Nguyen Chung, who is in California. She works for the Reading Rancheria Health Systems. We're going to talk about the correlation between oral health and overall health. And we're also going to talk about plant-based nutrition, along with the fact that she started a passion project um, during this time during quarantine. Welcome, Dr. Ann. Thank you so much for inviting me a pleasure to be here. <laughs> yes, well, like I said, um, we're familiar with who you are. And we know that you're a dentist. And we thought, you know, you'd be a great guest to talk about health in general, and, um, and what you see in your patients. Dr. Ann, um, let's start by getting to know a little bit about you. Um, tell us you're in California right now. I am. So my parents are from Vietnam, they immigrated um, to the United States. And on the way, I actually was born in Indonesia, and which is why my middle name is Kartini, because I was named after an Indonesian princess who basically started the school system for women, where when women didn't go to school back then. So um, I ended up growing up in the Midwest, primarily in North Dakota. In the year 2000, my family and I moved to California, and we have been here ever since. My husband, uh, he's actually from Florida, and we met in dental school. (laughs) So we're married now. (laughs) That is so cool. Did you guys come to the plant-based nutrition lifestyle together? Yeah. um, The first plantrition project uh, I went to was in 2018, and I went again in 2019. My husband and I were planning to go to this year's conference. However, with a live conference being canceled, we decided we'll go next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What we like to start with oftentimes is just tell us about your your plant based journey. How you know? How did you become plant based? What were the influences in your life, and you know what got you to where you are today? Yeah. Um, well, I had mentioned that I grew up in the Midwest, and I would say that's when my diet lifestyle started is I had an uncle who was from Wisconsin and a lot of people know that Wisconsin is known for their cheese (laughs) and he happened to work at a large cheese factory and so when he would come visit us um, in North Dakota he would bring boxes of 
all these types of cheese. And for my sister and me, it was just heaven. It was the best uncle ever. And so these boxes of cheese, there's string cheese, there's American cheese, cheddar cheese. These boxes lasted us for months. It was just cheese all day because back then we were taught milk does the body good. Mm -hmm. And even my parents believed this, that, you know, the more cheese, the more dairy, I would say, um, maybe I would incorporate a sugar cereal with, with cow milk and then cheese and bread for <laughs> my other meals. Cause that's, that's, we just had so much of that, but, but anyway, um, we were encouraged to eat this. And so, and in the Midwest, um, meat, you know, farms are, are made readily available. And even though we were one of the few Asians there, I, I would say we ate very, a diet very heavy in, in meats and cheeses. In my late teens, I started experiencing some symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome, where I would have severe pain and bleeding and bloating. And um, I, I didn't really think much of diet, you know, because I know that both my, both my parents struggled with cholesterol and, and are still on statins to this day. You know, I do have a family history of irritable bowel syndrome, uh, cholesterol, hypertension, but I thought, you know, it was a genetic thing and I would worry about it later on. But, uh, but really, you know, I, these symptoms, I saw an onset in my late teens and they progressively got worse. Um, psoriasis, eczema, in terms of the, the hyperlipidemia, the high cholesterol, the prediabetes, the hypertension, I didn't know uh, or find out until um, 2016 when I did take the time to finally address my health. And from the blood tests, I realized I, I had those things. And so my primary care provider at the time, thankfully, she is plant-based and she recommended going on a plant-based vegan diet. But up until that point, I had been eating so poorly anyway. So I thought if I just ate cleaner and to me, that still meant the American standard diet. So I was still eating, you know, lean meats. I was still eating cheese, but I was incorporating more, um, more plants, you know, more fruits and vegetables to make a long story short over the span of a, a year, I took my lab test three times and my results were not significantly getting better. And so I came back to her and I said, I'm so frustrated. I feel like I've been eating cleaner. I don't know why these are not changing. And so she said, and in a very loving way, she said, like I said, I recommend that you go on a plant-based vegan diet. It's either that, or eventually you're going to have to go on medications um, to control these, these diseases. You know, I have three grandparents who have either died from stroke or heart attack. And I, mm. I really took that seriously and I did my own research and I found that there were many articles that actually do support not only can patients prevent some of these chronic diseases that I had, but also reverse them. And, and in 2018 was my first plantrician conference. And, and at that time, I would say I was already gearing towards, you know, plant-based diet, but that solidified my confidence. After going on the plant-based diet, I would say um, it was still a, a, a learning process for me. I, I, I learned that I was still eating a lot of oils, a lot of vegan butters. And um, my, although my cholesterol had significantly gone down, I, it was still towards the, the higher normal. And I learned that, you know, if I just reduced that or eliminated that, that would even go down because my kidney, unfortunately, the, there is a genetic factor. Our kidneys produce a lot of cholesterol, but if you take away those building blocks, it, it really helps. And so I noticed after about a month, my irritable bowel syndrome went away. So wow. regular felt, I mean, for someone who's had this for decades, thought I had cancer at, at, at a point in time where I got tested and got a colonoscopy because I was bleeding. And, um, you know, thankfully it wasn't cancer, but uh, for someone who's gone through decades of that and then to experience just regularity, gut health, awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, let's see, the labs showed that, you know, I no longer had um, have prediabetes, 
hypertension completely normal, no longer. I was, I was stage one hypertensive at that time. Normal now. The, the eczema did take a little bit longer, and I'm sure for everyone it's different because I struggled it for, with it for so long. I'm happy to know that my skin had cleared up. Um, the psoriasis, I would say it hasn't completely gone away, although I would say it's significantly reduced in size and severity. My husband can even testify in dental school. It was just so painful. He could see the, the lesions um, were moderately severe. So, and I don't know if it's because there are perhaps other factors such as stress. Um, I, I haven't eliminated gluten from my diet. I, I have seen documented cases where patients who have gone on a raw plant-based diet, um, vegan diet have been able to reverse the plaque psoriasis completely. Um, I haven't been that strict yet. So maybe in the future, I would like to try something like that. Isn't it amazing uh, that uh, all these things that you were dealing with many multiple kind of chronic illnesses or, or, or preconditions, uh, they just went away within a matter of weeks to months, mm-hmm. uh, once you changed, right? I find that fascinating, uh, that, uh, those changes can happen so fast. Uh, whereas alternatively, when you, when you start getting on medications for them, you're not really making the disease go away. You're just managing the problem and you can manage it for years and years and years and it's not gone. You still have it. Whereas you went, you went plant-based or whole food plant-based and it was only weeks to months for most of these conditions to go away, right? Mm-hmm. I did wonder about the psoriasis because I I don't know too much about it, but I, I am aware that stress can trigger that. So even though diet, it has significantly improved those skin conditions, you still are, are battling with it a little bit. A little bit, yeah. And I do notice when I do get more stressed, it, it can flare up. But like I said, the lesions have decreased significantly Dr. Ann, in terms of, uh, so you mentioned that you consumed a lot of cheese because your uncle provided that for you. You mentioned consuming the standard American diet, but what about the traditional Vietnamese diet? Um, It's not as meat-centered, right? It's not. As a matter of fact, when my family and I would visit Vietnam, everyone's tiny. (laughs) No one's (laughs) obese there. The, um, I would say, the Vietnamese diet, the traditional diet does consist of rice, uh, rice noodles, heavily plant-based. I mean, once in a while, um, I mean, now I would say they do incorporate more meat, but you will see um, if there's a portion, it's very little, you know, but most of it is intact um, whole foods. For example, a lot of times even I guess Vietnamese food a lot of people know pho Mm -hmm. Um, it's a big noodle soup and it consists of of course the rice noodles Um, it does it is usually typically made of like a bone broth but um, it has tons of you know um, mints chives uh, cilantro onions, just just a lot of vegetables. I think I introduced you to pho. There was one of my favorite places in San Diego near one of the universities had the most delicious soup, didn't it? Mm -hmm. And so we started going there. And um, I think even then I probably got, I wasn't vegan at the time, but I probably either had like a vegan or shrimp because I... I did eat seafood. Um, and we haven't found a place here where we live now that we really like. I mean, there's one I go to, but it's a chain. So there's there's a big difference. My town, we don't have a lot because right now I'm, I, I live in Northern California, Redding versus Southern California. That's where my parents are, live. And so I do miss, you know, the authentic cuisine. <laughs> yes. And the reason I had asked about the traditional diet was because you did mention that there have been some generations in your family that live in the States, I guess, with, was it heart disease that you said? Um, yeah. And what about your family that you might still have in Vietnam? My grandpa, who once coming to the United States, he, he died not too long ago because he was eating a lot more pork and, and bacon and chicken, fried chicken skin, which is not great. I would say not everyone in Vietnam is um, help. I mean, plant-based because my dad's side did have a farm and they, you know, have pigs and 
and other animals that they eat regularly. So my grandparents who died uh, were in Vietnam at the time on my dad's side. Um, everyone else, I would say, in comparison to the diet that we see here, it's definitely more plant heavier, I guess. Yeah. So you mentioned um, that because of your health conditions, your physician, who is part of the same healthcare system that you work for, now the same system, um, gave you an ultimatum, either go plant-based or how, you know, take medication. And so you did see an improvement. And did your husband at the time come along with you as well? No, that's a great question. Thanks for asking. So when we were in dental school, we ate poorly together. I mean, we test after test was like, all right, let's go to the fast food place, get some tacos. And I would say today, he's not quite fully plant-based. However, he has changed his diet significantly, especially seeing my results, how that has changed. And, and growing up, he had a more well-balanced diet. His mom did a lot of the cooking at home. And um, he's, he's, he's part Bolivian, part Korean. And so um, did grow up eating more, more plant-based. And so thankfully, he hasn't noticed more health issues, you know, in comparison to me. But I think I mean, I'm hopeful he's getting towards that way. He definitely, we, we definitely have a lot of meatless um, meals together. I mean, I, I usually what I do is we, we make, um, we eat together, of course, and then I will have my vegan plant based and he, he will have a little bit of chicken, but his meat intake has decreased significantly. Um, we do incorporate a lot of vegetables, which he does appreciate much more. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he avoids red meats, cheese, you know, and if he does have meat, it's, it's um, some chicken, you know, but um, which is why I was hopeful going to the conference, maybe with him hearing all these um, research findings, he might gear towards that way, because it was actually a movie that was played at my, my company had sponsored a movie night at the theater to watch how not to die. And it was around the time when I was trying to become plant based. And he seeing that visually and all the the findings is like, Oh, wow, let's, let's make a change. So I think, you know, for me, it was definitely a journey as well. I've, I've had friends who have been vegans for, for a long time and seeing their lifestyle. But I mean, it wasn't until years later when I, you know, light bulb switched in my mind is like, all right, I'm just going to make that change. So, so I was going to ask, how have you uh, incorporated uh, plant-based lifestyle and nutrition into your practice? Whenever a patient comes in for a new patient exam or an exam or even a procedure, you know, we always um, take blood pressure, uh, review medical history. The reason why we take blood pressure is because a lot of our anesthetics have epinephrine in it and epinephrine raises the heart rate. And for patients with um, hypertension, it can increase their chances of heart attack or stroke while being in the dental chair. So we, we definitely review that very carefully with the medical history. If I see that there is a comorbidity, um, such as diabetes, high cholesterol, I start asking them. And, and, and sometimes these patients may or may not have been previously diagnosed with hypertension. A, a lot of our patients don't know because they, they do see us more often. Um, they see us at least twice a year for, for the, the checkup exams and then plus the cleanings. And so oftentimes we find these things. And so if, if it has been undiagnosed or maybe di- you know, already diagnosed, I will right then um, start asking them questions about their medical history. Um, and you know, once I find out their diet, that's when I incorporate my story and, and educate them. So we do actually do quite a bit of nutritional counseling. Are your patients uh, largely Native American? Pretty much almost 100%. There might be some exceptions where um, there is a Native American household who's adopted a non-Native American patient. Uh-huh. So, but yeah. So you're probably seeing a lot of uh, diabetes, obesity, and hypertension in those people. Yes. And so you're, uh, because they're, the Native American population is especially prone to those chronic illnesses. Uh, so you have a, a good opportunity to uh, make a positive change in their life. How receptive are they to uh, nutritional advice? 
I get a mixture of both. A lot of people, they look at me because I, I, I have a story to tell. And I don't, I'm not proud of my medical history, but when patients realize I also struggled with, you know, high cholesterol and prediabetes, hypertension, and they look at me, what you, it's like, yes, yes. I get a various number of, um, a wide range, probably. Yeah, a wide range, a wide yeah. range. But little by little, mm-hmm. I educate them, and that's all I can do. And I, I do um, also relate it to dental health because everything is related. A lot of patients uh, in this demographics, unfortunately, we do see a high risk of tooth decay. Um, we see a lot of gingivitis, which is the inflammation of the gum tissue, which can lead to periodontal disease, which is not only the degradation of the gum tissue, but it's also the degradation of the bone underlying the teeth. And so when I am able to relate with them, the food, the foods that they eat, um, and, you know, just systemic health, patients are quite surprised with a lot of them, it does click. And whenever um, appropriate, I will refer them to the physicians in the, the organization. And a lot of them are plant based. We have one medical doctor who has been vegan for many, many years. And he's actually been a, a huge advocate in our community for influencing a lot of people to become plant based and our dietitians likewise are plant based. That's good to have those resources. Yeah, uh, it's 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 tough to live in a place that's resource poor where you can't work with other clinicians to help improve the health of your patients. Mm -hmm. Dr. Ann, can you tell our listeners about this system that you work with, Um, the Reading Rancheria Health System, all it incorporates in outreach programs, the lectures. Can you paint us a picture of what that's like? First of all, my husband and I both work for Reading Rancheria Health Systems. Uh, They're amazing. Um, As you know, with the Native American demographics that we see in our area, we unfortunately do see that increased incidence of obesity and other cardiovascular diseases. So this company, um, their wellness, they have a wellness program that is amazing. They have events where they will bring farmers market to the site where they'll give each employee or patient a token and we can redeem our produce that way. They also try to incorporate healthy plant-based meals. So sometimes they're they're vegan, sometimes they're not, but they'll they'll actually they'll always have two options. One one meat, um, which is like a like a chicken, and then they'll always have a vegan option and they'll have demos. Now right now during the pandemic, they're not doing that as much, but they've mm-hmm. been incorporating other things such as uh, October, you know, they'll encourage us to go on hikes outside and still uh, promote social distancing, but um, they'll give prizes, you know, for example, for people who've done six hikes, or if you submit photos of what creative things you're doing uh, during social distancing to put towards your wellness. And some people will maybe uh, show a picture of them having a picnic outside or indoors or reading a book or um, getting a pedicure, you know, it might look different for everyone. Um, let's see, they would have classes that they would bring on, you know, yoga, Pilates. I mean, right now they don't have that, but they do a really good job trying to be flexible. Um, another thing that they did recently is they distributed to each employee's stress management books as well as coloring books, also essential oils for aromatherapy that you could put at your desk. So yeah, they, they do quite a bit for us. That must be amazing. So this is the same healthcare or health system that got you on board. And then when necessary, you send them to the primary care physicians within the same system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so Dr. Anna had previously mentioned that uh, I work closely with a biological dentist that I um, used to see when I lived in San Diego. And at that time, I was struggling a lot with a root canal from previous years um, that I think were, the root canal itself was contributing to health problems. But also uh, that same biological dentist diagnosed me in a sense um, through just asking questions. Uh, I discovered that I had hypothyroidism, 
which I believe was a result of high levels of mercury. So she was the one that sort of sent me to have my labs done. This dentist changed my life. After that, I stopped eating fish. I had my, she removed my amalgams and um, we cleared the, basically extracted the root canal and my health just started improving. I mean, you remember how much I was suffering at the time. First, can we start by maybe talking about what's the difference between a uh, dentist, a general dentist and a biological? Dentist. I started out as a standard dentist because that's how I was trained in dental school. Um, certain protocols, you go A through B, C, but in standard dentistry, you it doesn't necessarily um, consider the, the person as a whole. And sometimes it might be just you're 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 looking at one area, uh, whereas a biological dentist will tend to treat the patient as a whole. Um, they'll look for more biocompatible materials. So for example, when, when I see a patient with severe signs of grinding, my standard dentist self, the old self would say, okay, well, you're grinding your teeth down. We don't want that to progress. And so let me prescribe a night guard. And a night guard is an appliance that you wear in the mouth similar to a sports guard just so that when you're sleeping if you're a night grinder it doesn't continue to damage the teeth now a biological dentist would look at the root causes find what what is what is causing it is it because of stress is it because of pain is it because of an imbalance in the tmj joints is it due to growth or is it due to an obstruction in airway? And, and I actually talked to a physician at my clinic um, not too long ago and, and, and she didn't realize that obstruction in airway could cause these other grinding issues. So, so um, to get back to the biological dentist, um, yeah, we look at the, the patient as a whole and, and you wanna make sure you ask the right questions. In terms of the materials, I know that you had mentioned root canals. Um, in standard dentistry, there, there are materials that are unfortunately not biocompatible. Uh, for instance, um, gutta percha is, is like a filler that is commonly used in, root can in the standard root canal procedure. And it's very acidic and it's, or I would say it has a, a tox toxic compound that's been known to leach into the body. There are thankfully other materials that are more biocompatible because the, the tissues underlying the tooth are more alkalinic. And so moreover, I would say um, what I've seen is that um, biological dentists tend to be more minimally invasive rather than going to something more extreme. So yeah, I've kind of in the past have wondered various dentists that I've had, they give all sorts of suggestions. And I've said also that maybe the hygienists kind of contribute to this. So they'll say, Oh, you know, let's replace your two front teeth with some porcelain or veneers or whatever. And uh, let's lift some of the gum area, just kind of cosmetic work. And um, because of my previous uh, issue with you know just the root canal and stuff I kind of am very hesitant I'm more about let's do the minimal but I also have noticed that I have less problems because I'm plant-based and um, since I stopped eating meat red meat and pork in college I think I saved my teeth a lot you know Dr. Ann I used to think when I was younger that losing the teeth was a normal part of aging I think many people do yes thank you for bringing that up I get that all the time. I, I hear, Hey doctor, I'm it's age. I'm my parents lost their teeth. I'm going to lose my teeth too. Well, while it's true that age might play a factor, sometimes genetics too, but it's, it's not really the case uh, completely. So I explain to my patients, um, I mean, especially with uh, patients who might be diabetic, you know, there are inflammatory factors or, or, or even, immunocompromise, um, you know, when you have a reduction in white blood cells, um, our body's natural defense against bacteria, you know, those that same bacteria in our mouth causes damage. And so our diet definitely does contribute to um, promoting certain microbiome in the mouth. So, so actually, I, I came across a couple studies that kind of cross referenced each other, they took two different groups, one was a a vegan group, and the other group was an omnivorous group, and they took the saliva. 
and they wanted to see what the difference was in the saliva. And so they found that in, in the particular vegan group that they studied, they ate more fiber. I know that there are other studies that show that in our gut biome, that when we eat fiber, it, it does promote a certain bacteria. Well, same with the mouth. And they found that the two different um, bacteria strains, the, the one in the vegan group had a lower prevalence of periodontal disease, which is the number one reason for tooth loss. So it's not, it's actually not age. I have 90 year olds in my dental chair who have all their teeth and I have 16 year olds have to be in full dentures. And so, um, so I, I give my patients that example. It's true. Yes, those are factors, but without the bacteria and other inflammatory factors, you don't see that problem. So now that you touched a little bit on diabetes, what are the health conditions that most damage teeth? With diabetes, like I said earlier, um, because of the reduction in white blood cells, they're not able to fight against the harmful bacteria that cause the gum and bone degradation. We see a decrease in wound healing because the blood vessels, they're, they're, they're becoming necrotic. And so we do see more bone loss and tooth loss in those situations. People who have cardiovascular diseases, um, diabetes, um, and other chronic diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis, um, because of the medications that they take, not only are they having immunocompromise, you know, like an immunosuppression, but these medications um, cause dry mouth. And um, not only is the white blood cell a factor, but our saliva is actually also our body's natural defense against um, bacteria because it acts as a pH buffer to maintain the pH in our mouth to stay within a certain healthy range. Um, our teeth, so, so normal neutral pH is, is seven, right? Mm -hmm. And our enamel actually starts to dissolve at a pH of 5.5. And so when you don't have normal saliva buffering that, we see a high incidence, increased incidence of, of dental decay because of that as well. Yeah. So yeah. medications can do that by contributing to dry mouth. Now, what about um, when you do sort of um, diagnose or suspect a condition, you send your patients over to the primary care physicians in the same system. Um, are you able to then see some improvements if you can help correct someone's diabetes, for example, or high blood pressure, do their uh, oral health? Does the oral health improve? Every patient's different. I have patients who are compliant. Um, it's our job to educate the patient. I would say I don't see every patient improving. I would say a majority do because if I educate them, diet is one. Um, some patients will come back to me and, and say, thank you so much for finding out that I do have obstructive airway because what a lot of people don't realize is airway can contribute to things like GERD or a decrease in oxygen while you're sleeping, which can um, affect brain function. It increases cortisol levels, increases rate of obesity because, you know, cortisol is a stress hormone. What I see is the improvement really is so dependent on patient compliance with yes. what you taught them. And I've often wondered too, um, you know, when it comes to the plant-based foods, plant-based diet, that if we're adding more minerals into our, our diet, are cavities able to sort of heal? I don't hear too much about it. I've, I've done a little bit of research on that, but I, I'm wondering if you know anything about that. Being on a plant-based diet, um, I'm not saying that everything is alkalinic, but because our teeth do dissolve at a pH of 5.5, what I've noticed in, in, in my patients is that for patients who tend to be more plant-based, they generally eat a diet that's more alkalinic, which is helps to remineralize teeth as well. Um, some foods do naturally have, you know, phosphates and calcium, which strengthen the teeth versus people who might be on a high, um, simple processed carbohydrate diet, such as like, um, I would say like breads, crackers, a lot of my kids do eat a lot of that. Um, I have to educate my, my patients about dried fruit 
um, you know, like in candies, because over time, the acidity can can degrade away the teeth. And so um, to answer your question, I have seen some papers that do show some remineralization in plant foods. I don't think that there's enough mm-hmm. research out there, but I would be I wouldn't be surprised just because seeing how simple carbohydrates tend to create more plaque and that plaque is 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 basically a matrix of bacteria biofilm that's stuck on the teeth but people people who eat a more alkalinic diet you don't see that prevalence of plaque in the mouth that would be some interesting yeah. uh, studies to, desi- to design there right like right now <laughs> i'm curious to know for example during these covid times uh, what's the uh, complication rate morbidity and mortality in patients who contract covid uh, in the plant-based community versus the non-plant-based community. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know if the healthier patients do better. And what has it been like, um, because we do, we are living now in the times of COVID, uh, what is it like for you and the protocol that you might take when you're seeing a patient? I'm assuming now you're, you're using extra gear, probably. We are. Um, so according to the American Dental Association guidelines and just federal recommendations, there was a, a time where we, I wouldn't say we completely shut down, but we canceled all of our aerosolizing procedures, um, which meant cavit- the cavitrons, the, the ultrasonics used for dental cleanings, the hand pieces used for fillings. And we just focused on emergency visits for patients who had pain, abscesses. Um, broken tooth, that sort of thing. And so that went on for several weeks, but then we eventually, the clinic divided us into A and B teams, primarily because we were having trouble getting PPE. Uh, We were alternating between A and B teams to limit the exposure. Um, We were seeing mostly emergency patients again for, for about three months, but after that you know, the director was like, oh, man, our patients are getting blown out cavities and abscesses. And, and, and the farther we pushed it out, and at this point, we didn't know when this was going to be over. And so slowly, the company incorporated um, stricter measures. I mean, and being in dental, we're always really good about wiping down anyway. I mean, we wear gloves, we're in masks, but it, it has been stricter in that um, we have divider walls in between operatories. We have a set time to allow aerosols to, to drop down. And then we go back in, wipe everything down. We give enough time to put on our proper PPE um, and, you know, change it out, wash your shields. In between patients, uh, we have a HEPA filter in each operatory. So I would say the way that we're going um, there was a time when no one wore gloves in dentistry. It, wow. it wasn't a thing until, you know, the AIDS outbreak, right? Now everyone's wearing gloves. I really believe that because of this pandemic, any aerosolizing procedure and 95s are going to be the standard and they're hard to breathe in. It's uncomfortable. I will say it was really stressful um, being in that space suit all day, but I mean, we're getting used to it and it's, it's, it's definitely been, a change, but I, I wouldn't say that we're completely back to normal, but but we're definitely seeing patients more regularly. Kind of our new normal. Whatever we would be exposed to, we're less exposed to because we're now kind of isolating, keeping our distance, wiping things down. Have you yourself ever extracted amalgams? We still do see amalgams, not so much. It's become less often, less common because of the, the concern with them and Dentistry is always evolving, and I'm glad to say that there are more biocompatible materials. Now, going back to amalgam uh, fillings, yes, because most of them are from patients who've had them for years, for decades. Uh Um, I do see occasionally them in kids because um, certain fillings, the white fillings, the traditional ones, the, the, the composite ones, they're very sensitive to moisture. And so if there's moisture in the area, they could come off later. So for some, some dentists still do amalgam fillings in kids' teeth because they move around and, and you can quickly pack it in there. But for the most part, I, I don't see them as often. And for patients who do come in with um, amalgam fillings, I, I tend to see a lot of fractures in the tooth because it, it's metal. So it's hypothermal 
dynamic and it will expand, collapse over time. And, and it, that creates little stress fractures in the tooth. And so I have had to remove those. Um, I mean, the best thing to do is just, they have, we have these things called rubber dams where you, and, and you, we do these for any kind of, of um, procedure where you have to isolate the tooth. You know, the, the rubber dam is basically a pr protector that seals the entire person's mouth from the amalgam and I know there's a that concern with the mercury because when you remove it there's the vapors that can go in the air and so um you know we 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 have the patients wear goggles so yes I <laughs> quite quite a bit yeah it sounds like a pretty big deal when you have to do all that not all dentists see that that way dentists always say to floss and brush your teeth but then you hear like people say drink your wine from a straw or even um, hibiscus tea because that can also add to the acidity on the enamel and um yes let's talk about acids in in diet after eating any acidic meal and i educate my patients what an acidic meal is it's um you know fruits um juices are very acidic teas a lot of teas unfortunately are acidic enough to dissolve the enamel on teeth over time and so i tell my patients uh, especially for those who have dry mouth because you know with uh, with um, being diabetic having dry mouth you have everything going against you and so i will have my patients re-neutralize their mouth by incorporating um, baking soda rinses throughout the day. Uh, also rinsing the mouth with water after drinking juices. A lot of my patients do drink sodas, unfortunately. And so um, I, I tell them, hey, if you're if you're putting all this acid in your oral cavity all day long, no wonder we're seeing all this acid erosion where to the point I'm seeing pulp exposure. Wow. So it, it's I see it a lot. And so by just rinsing the mouth or, or yes, drinking through a straw because you're basically shunting away the acids from going on your teeth because you if you drink something I would rather you drink it in one setting than to prolong that juice throughout the day or if you are doing that try swishing with water occasionally uh, have some baking soda rinse it out and re-neutralize your mouth there are um, other products that you know they have chemicals in them so I try to give them better options another thing I also wish more people would know is that right after eating an acidic meal, don't brush your teeth right away because you have that acid on your mouth. And so people who like to suck on lemons, number one, never suck on <laughs> So don't brush your teeth right after eating something or drinking something acidic because you're basically wiping off that dissolving teeth. Because if you let it rinse your mouth with water, neutralize it, let it sit, it will slowly remineralize. Another thing that I see has been a fad charcoal toothpaste. It definitely does whiten teeth, but what it, what it is, is it's a mild, it has a, um, particles that will abrade the teeth. So it abrades the stain, but it also permanently abrades away enamel. And so patients will come with tooth sensitivity because our enamel essentially has pores. And so when you abrade it with, with these sand particles, you're opening up more and more to that nerve. And so of course, patients are going to start to feel um, sensitivity. So I would say if you're using charcoal, using, use it sparingly, dental cleanings will help. It sounds like you're taking sandpaper your teeth with the charcoal. <laughs> yes, yes. And patients don't realize also heavy, I see a lot of heavy, aggressive brushing. Um, you don't need all that pressure. And then if you're if you're maintaining your oral health um, by brushing and flossing your teeth, you know, you're taking away bacteria. Now I will say people who are on the plant base, I don't see that problem as much, but with my my population, mm -hmm. there's tons of plaque and bacteria, which they do need to to uh, brush and floss. And so I, I do have patients who ask me, why do we need to floss? And it's because our teeth have um, tons of nooks and crannies. And I give them the analogy of washing a car. When you have, um, <laughs> I use a funny one for the kids, when you have bird poop or bird droppings in the car, a pressurized hose is, you know, with the water. Some people say, oh, I rinsed my mouth. Well, I guess we'll, we'll liken that to a pressurized hose. It will take off some, but but nothing gets it better than going down with a, a sponge and, and really um, 
mechanically removing that. And it's the same thing with floss because we have little crooks and crannies in between our gums that, that, that we don't realize and, and that really uh, helps to take off the, the bacteria. I'm so glad that you bring this topic up because it made me uh, think of alternative products that I am curious about for our listeners if they're interested. Now, I stay away from fluoride. Um, 15 years or so, I stopped using any fluoride products. So my toothpaste are more like baking soda. I don't use any more mouthwash that's alcohol based. I just rinse with water. Um, so if you can touch on those. And then one more thing, I did get into the fad for a little while of doing the oil pulling. Can you touch on those topics? Yes, let me touch up on the oil pulling first. I actually do have quite a few few patients who have told me that they have a dental infection or, or for whatever reasons, they're doing oil pulling to pull out the toxins. I have looked into studies with that. Now, coconut oil has been um, something that is the most common in my patients when it comes to oil pulling. They'll swish for a certain amount of time and supposedly that's supposed to kill bacteria. Now, studies have shown that there is evidence that coconut oil is antimicrobial but there's not really a strong evidence that shows that there are any other benefits for the oral cavity when it comes to oil pulling. Um, what it might do is it, um, because it has some, what I understand, some um, remineralizing properties on a very minimal scale might help you know, make teeth stronger, but that's what the overall plant-based diet anyway. And so when you mentioned, you know, our body does absorb a little bit, I wouldn't say it's harmful, but I wouldn't say there's enough evidence to really say there's very many benefits to do that. Um, I will get patients who also say they use uh, colloidal silver, which mm -hmm. is a very common holistic remedy that people do. And while colloidal silver has been shown to to successfully kill bacteria. Um, we actually even use what's called silver nitrate as a very minimally invasive procedure to stop cavities in kids who are too young to get the white feelings, they can't sit still. And so what we do is we break up uh, five different visits where the, the child will come in and will very localized, very carefully isolate on the tooth and, and scrub that in. And what it does is it it slows down the, the tooth decay, if not stops it, that's the goal. And so when they're older, then we can put a more, another biocompatible filling in there. Now with colloidal silver, if, if my patients, what I explained to them is some of them are doing it every day. And over time that, that silver can be deposited into organs and cause um, organ damage. It's related to seizures. And so I educate my patients. Oh, whoa. So I wish there was more awareness of what, you know, even though it sounds like it's a natural thing, but but too much of something can also be dangerous. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then um, alternative use to fluoride toothpaste? Yes. Yeah, so I'm actually in the process of having some natural toothpaste that's plastic free, water free tablets. It has it has stevia in it, which is um, I mean, it's not 100 percent natural because the stevia I mean you kind of extract the the, sh the sugars from that but it also has um, xylitol which is also a derivative of sugar and what xylitol it's a safer alternative to fluoride because I don't like to prescribe my I have parents who come and say doc can I can I have some fluoride tablets for my child because in in my county the water's not fluoridated. I just kind of want to mention maybe our listeners, not everybody has done the research about how damaging fluoride is for the system, but it really doesn't help our oral health overall. Do you want to kind of just mention a little bit of that and what you know? Yeah, well, in dental school, we learned that fluoride, because they've seen that fluoride has um, shown a, a, a link to decrease in tooth decay, but they don't realize that there are other side effects, such as we see fluorase, the, the, the deposits of fluorosis in, in bones, in it, which can over time um, affect the growth of the skeleton. Um, it causes, when it's too much, you know, I, unfortunately, I do have coworkers who still prescribe this and, you know, may, may have to take them to the side and, and explain this a little bit more because with the holistic approach, I, it's not necessary to use that because there are other 
cal you know, foods have calcium phosphates that can also remineralize teeth and um, fluoride is, is synthetic. And so, um, so toothpaste alternatives, I would say, I know that Tom's has a, a fluoride free option. I, I have to admit, I don't know all the ingredients in it, but I know it is, they, they tend to be cleaner in terms of ingredients. Um, like I mentioned, I do have a toothpaste on the way that that will be plastic free, water free, they're awesome. little tablets and it, it, it has like stevia um, and xylitol, which wars away, what it does is it, it, it suppresses the, uh, the food that the bad, bad bacteria feasts on and that bad bacteria dies off the bacteria that is linked to dental caries to uh, dental decay. Mm -hmm. um, but I would, I would recommend I know you had mentioned baking soda Maya, which is good, but you have to maybe be careful with the baking soda because over time it is a mild abrasive uh, features in it, which does unfortunately cause tooth sensitivity. And Maya, you had mentioned rinsing with water. That's awesome. I, I would say, you know, like Listerine's other products on the, on the market do have alcohol and other things that can over time, if you use those things can change the tissues in your mouth, um, so, which is not good. And so cheap alternative way to rinse is just saline. Just take take a, a warm cup of water, um, mix in a teaspoon of salt. I tell all my patients who've just had extractions to rinse with this to keep the area clean because salt that that is naturally um, you know it kills the bacteria and he, and it really helps promote healing. Uh, some cosmetic work, at least in my opinion, I feel is not necessary. But if someone chooses to have some work done, can that over the long run affect health? That is an excellent question. Um, it's also a pretty complex question because it really depends on the patient's needs. And so when we typically think of cosmetic dentistry, I know we live in a world where Hollywood smile is really the big thing. And so that a lot of that is kind of progressed by, by patient demand, but, but there are actually um, cosmetic dentistry can be used to address three main categories that I do want to touch up on. Um, First one is function. Um, second one is disease. Third one is patient demand merely for cosmetic reasons or all of the above. And so in the demographics that I work with, because we do see such a high prevalence of uh, tooth decay, tooth loss, unfortunately, these things can affect speech. It can affect breathing, it can affect the alignment of the TMJ, which is connected to, you know, alignment of the body and, and, um, and also not to forget to mention how we eat our confidence and, and all those things. And so with that, to answer your question, um, overall, yes, it can cause health problems, issues, if not done correctly. And if the if the methods are not really assessed properly, it can, but with the newer methods and, and biocompatible materials, it can be done safely, especially for patients who do have a deficiency in anatomical features or, or have teeth loss, which they need the support to help, um, you know, maintain better health. The cosmetic dentistry that we do do is because of reconstruction and rebuilding of the jaw joint, the muscles uh, for patients to be able to speak, eat, sleep properly. Um, so um, I know with um, concerns before, I can't really testify of, of the methods and materials in the past because I have seen where old crowns that were metal and, the, and, and had nickel in them, that patient happened to be allergic to nickel and over time i i actually saw every other teeth were fine but that one had such the the gums eventually receded away as well as the bone and so you saw bone loss there wow. so so but but nowadays we have technology such as cad cam technology where it's a 3d um, milling system where it's basically a camera that you place intraorally on a wand and you scan the mouth and you avoid these 
chemicals that would used to be used for taking molds of the mouth, but now it's just a, a, an image. And then it's, it's sent off to a machine. It, it prints, it basically mills out a porcelain crown that fits right onto the tooth or dentures, you know, some of the materials that were used earlier um, had BPA, but because of, you know, these concerns, dental companies are working towards eliminating those things and making uh, products more biocompatible. So I would say, um, I mean, it's, it's a complex question, but um, for various reasons, it's a case by case situation. Um, it can happen the other way around too. Um, if, if the dentist doesn't, if they're not properly assessing the TMJ joint, um, a, a clue that you're looking at a, a biological dentist versus someone who's standard is someone who takes the time to take pictures to assess the, the TMJ. At all my exams, I always assess if there are arthritis, is there misalignment? Um, also, if, if the patient is a grinder, you know, you want to ask all these questions. If they have airway issues, you want to make sure you, you address the the, the patient as a whole, because if they're a grinder, I've seen cases um, and even read about lawsuits where um, grinding was not addressed. They paid a lot of money for these veneers. And one day they woke up with broken teeth into the root, uh, exposing the nerve. And now this patient has to go through reconstructive dental work because, you know, uh, so things like that, or, you know, the airway issue has to be uh, address. And so lots of things that go into this. It's not a, an easy black and white question, yeah. very complex. I appreciate you touching on this topic because I saw one video of a, of a girl and her dentist said, we need to shave, you know, some of that gum, lift the gum line. And over time, her teeth started falling out. I do think of the long-term consequences of these choices. Absolutely. And I think it's the, the job of the dentist to educate the patients on that because I will have from time to time patients who come with, with fractured teeth in the front and and I know we, we had brushed up on the root canal thing in, you know, earlier, sometimes patients, their only option is a root canal for, for whatever reason right now, you know, over before the weekend, uh, they can't go with the teeth like that. So we might have to do, you know, like a pulpal derbiment where we remove the nerve because the nerve is exposed and they're in pain. And so, um, but I mean, with the more biocompatible materials, it's a little bit better. Um, and, so, I mean, is it necessary? I wouldn't say it's always the case. No, because I mean, I, it's my job to educate the patients, but sometimes medical history, um, if, if let's say root canal is the only option because it's close to an, a nerve or because they've, they, uh, they are an osteoporosis patient and they've undergone um, IV bisphosphonates for their osteoporosis. And, mm -hmm. and that makes them more increased to necrosis of the jaw when the tooth is extracted. Um, or if a patient has gone through head and neck radiation, also uh, increased in rate of jaw necrosis. And so sometimes we have to do those things. So, so again, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's, very complex. <laughs> yeah. You talked about wearing PPE, you talked about wearing your mask. From that, from having to wear so many masks this year, you developed uh, a product as part of your passion project. You want to tell us about your lip balms? Oh, yeah, sure. So um, yeah, during the pandemic, I actually developed a, a painful rash around my mouth, which I thought maybe was due to my mask wearing. But during the time when my clinic um, uh, when our A and B teams alternate, alternated, even on the, on the weeks that I wasn't working, I would, I still had this rash. And so I, I sought help from uh, a dermatologist and he gave me medications. He thought it was perioral dermatitis. And so long story short, the medications wasn't helping. And so, um, I, it turns out that I was experiencing, a, an allergic reaction to one of my lip balms. And Interestingly enough, you know, even though up to this point, I've been plant-based with the things that I ingest, I never really paid too much attention to my lip balms or, you know, I, I try to be more clean, but there, there's such a, a long list of ingredients. I couldn't really pinpoint which, which ingredient I was allergic to. So I had made natural um, products before, such as like hand balms, lotions, and I decided to experiment uh, with that. And, and I made my own. And once I started using that, 
everything cleared up. And so I thought, gosh, you know, um, I love to promote wellness. I, I, during my journey of becoming plant-based, I've gained such a respect for animals, our environment, um, especially seeing how the meat industry and even beauty treats animals. And so, so with all that in my background in dentistry, I, I decided to brand my, my lip balms and create a, a company called Happy Hippo Plant Organics. And so um, I started out with lip balms. We try to use biodegradable packaging. So these lip balms are made of biodegradable t- push-up tubes, craft tubes, which when you're done, you can throw it in the compost. Um, for the fillers, um, I have Spanish uh, moss, which is mm-hmm. sustainable. And I, I, I was using paper shreds before, but you know, we'll probably continue to evolve. And I do, you know, because, because I'm a dentist, you know, we have uh, biodegradable bamboo toothbrushes, we have biodegradable um, corn floss, and we have some soaps and everything is all natural, minimal ingredients. Um, I try to um, purchase from organic suppliers when I can. And for each order, uh, a percentage goes to one tree planted to help replenish our trees all over the world that's nice very nice i'm curious what are the uh, bristles on the brush made out of you know i will say right now they are nylon so this is not biodegradable i am going to find a different alternative because i at the time when i was researching manufacturers i i didn't know that there was another option and 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 although i mean i would say this is a small imprint of what we have in terms of like the traditional, t- the the plastic toothbrushes, they end up in landfills, the bottom mm-hmm. of oceans. So, I mean, com- in comparison, this is a s- small footprint, but like I said, we're going to continue to evolve and find, continue to, to, to find better options. Is there anything that they're looking at right now as an alternative? I have seen the bristles are made of uh, a biodegradable plant-based compound but I don't I don't remember I'd have to I'd have to bring it up but I was I was very pleased to find out well it'd be very interesting so by the time they dissolve away it's time for a new toothbrush basically (laughs) (laughs) right you know in every vegan's life in their path at some point they begin to transition products cosmetics, all that stuff. And especially women, we use so much product and a lot of it involves the use of some animal. So I I see how, you know, as we're practicing more self-care this year because of the pandemic and everything else, you know, incorporating more vegan products that are friendlier for the environment and animal friendly as well. Uh, Well, congratulations on developing uh, your company. And how did you choose Happy Hippo? Oh, thank you for asking. So hippos, I've always thought they were cute. They are <laughs> also <laughs> they're also herbivores. So I wanted to find a mm. to you know something friendly. Um, also, happy, the name happy hippo is with an I, and so I just wanted to find something you know like it's a kind of a play on words. Hippo, you know, has the O and the I in it. Happy with an I. So they're cute. They're herbivores. I wanted to really emphasize. Uh, plant-based living so hence why I chose the hippopotamus yeah yeah yeah. catchy phrase yes I like it before we wrap up there's two things Mm -hmm. I'd like to kind of have you mention I guess number one is we always we always like you to wrap it up and say what is one recommendation you would make you know for people to improve their health and improve their lives from your from your perspective you know being uh, a dentist and then the other one is then how can people, if they want to learn more about you or more about Happy Hippo, how can they find out more? Okay, sure. Um, I actually have three things that I would like to, um, I guess, suggest our listeners on how they can improve their lives. Number one, I would say if you're not yet plant-based, um, just by incorporating more meatless meals, incorporating more uh, vegetables and fruits to your diet, would be great. Uh, I've been recommending a couple movies to my my patients, friends, coworkers. Um, a couple of them are Forks Over Knives, um, How Not to Die, and also The Game Changer. So awesome! I've I've gotten a lot of feedback just by seeing so many testimonies of of people how they've improved in their lives have been an eye opener for many. Um, secondly, I would say that be kind to 
others. Um, for instance, yesterday I had a case where my dental as assistant was very upset because a patient came just um, as soon as she walked in, she was in a really bad mood and was mm -hmm. yelling at the assistant and was demanding this and that. So uh, my dental assistant came in and, and she warned me. So, I mean, so I, I knew what I was walking into in the room and it turns out that, you know, when I, the patient just wanted to be listened to, it turns out that she was having a really hard time with not being able to see her family during this COVID, uh, you know, pandemic, and then her work has been very stressful. And so as, you know, we never know what people are going through. And as, as soon as she realized we do care, she opened up and, and was, uh, we made a new friend that day, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, be kind. Uh, and then third one is, is one that I am preaching to myself. <laughs> and this, this last one, last but not least would be self-care. So, yeah, so it's really important that we take the time to step back and um, spend time. You know, my husband reminds me all the time, like, hey, I do get excited about my, my business, my work, but he reminds me, hey, Anne, let's just sit down. Uh, we'll have a picnic on, on our living room floor, watch a movie. So things like that, because, you know, no man's guaranteed another day, um, you know, live like you aim to have no regrets. And so that might also self-care might also look like calling your, your family members. I mean, we, we haven't seen our family members since pandemic, uh, which is, which is kind of sad, but I mean, there's Skype, thankfully. So just taking the times to really, um, take time for what really matters the most. Nice. Um, yes. And then you had asked me about my happy hippo plant organics. I do have a website, happy hippo plant organics.com. I do have an Etsy shop. Um, again, all the sales, um, with all the sales, a percentage does get donated to one tree planted.org, uh, to help replenish the trees all over the world. That is wonderful. And you did mention that if our listeners wanted to try your product, you would offer them a discount. Yes, for our listeners, I would love to uh, offer a 15% coupon code that is good for the Etsy shop. Um, I think it's good through April 1st. Feel free to check that out. Like I said, you're supporting a small business. We're supporting you. We're supporting the planet. And we're using one less animal product. So that's a great reason to give it a try. All right. Well, Dr. Ann, it's been a pleasure. So thank you so much for uh, making some time to uh, join us today. This has been great. I hope we can meet you soon. And I hope so, yeah. When the world resumes to some normalcy and we get to go to meetings again, I'm sure we'll see you there. We hope you guys enjoy the holidays with your loved ones if you if you are able to get together. It'll be the first time just the two of us, but it's okay because right. we have some fun things planned. But likewise, stay safe and hope you guys have a great holiday. Thank you, Dr. Anne, so much. You've been listening to the Plant-Based DFW podcast show. If you like our content, please like, share, and leave a review. Our goal is to provide quality episodes to help support the community.